0: Welcome to the Homestead Podcast. You are joining co-hosts Carol and Jamie of 2Galshomesteading.com. If you found yourself here, that means you are ready to take responsibility for what you eat, your family's health, and your family's well-being while living a simpler life. You can do this and have fun, saving money along the way. Let them help you unleash the homesteader within. By doing more with less, you will gain what is needed to create confidence, impact, and change in your life and the lives around you. Let's start homesteading. Let's start now.
1: Today we have a guest in our studio. <laughs> <laughs> this is our first guest we've ever had on the podcast and it happens to be the local butcher out of um, Kirkoven, Minnesota. So I'd like to introduce Thad Erickson of Full Circle Meats On the Road Custom Cutting. Um, welcome, Thad.
2: Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. I really appreciate the opportunity.
1: <laughs> okay, so um, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself?
2: Absolutely. Um, well, I'm from the Minneapolis-St. Paul area. I've been a meat manager at the grocery store level for more years than I'm willing to admit. And uh, during the pandemic, my um, hunting buddy and I decided that we wanted to take that to uh, another level. A lot of the farmers that I knew and grew up with in the from the Rush City area were having trouble... Moving their pigs. Uh, there was a lot of trouble mm-hmm. with the larger processing plants and that type of a thing. So we started on-the-road custom cutting where we would go up to the farms, harvest the animals on site, and then bring them back to, uh, to, to the cities to get to, directly to customers. It was a lot of fun. So we decided to take that into a full-time operation. And we are fortunate enough to find the shop here in Kirkhoven. And that's what brought us out to well, out to your neck of the woods. Okay. Um, we are a full, full, um, full service, full process butcher shop inv- involving everything from smoked meats and on the farm harvesting to animals being brought in, um, strictly on a custom cutting level at this point.
1: We'd like to thank PicoSupply.com for co-sponsoring our podcast. I get a lot of questions. Absolutely. As a, a producer. <laughs> or a farmer as to you know oh, how do how do I go about ordering a beef or how do I go about ordering a hog the biggest thing people ask is is weight and how we determine weight absolutely and a lot don't understand what hanging weight is live weight and well most know what live weight probably is but the hanging weight versus dressed or what I get <laughs> after after you've done your thing. Absolutely. So can you explain that a little bit?
2: I, as best I can. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of variables in that is why it gets so hard to explain. Mm-hmm. Um, it also depends on uh, uh, type of animal, breed of animal can have a lot to come into that. Um, but uh, live weight of course is as the animal's walking around on the farm and that's just where it's at. Um, hanging weight is what's derived after we've um, uh, harvested the animal, eviscerated the animal, skinned the animal and it's literally then hanging on a hook in the cooler and so that's where you get to the the hanging weight um what the final yield then comes down to all depends on what the customer wants back okay so we can save all of the um uh, uh, oval meats all of the uh, the heart the kidneys the pancreas those types of pieces if they don't want that obviously that wouldn't wouldn't go to them um, Mm -hmm. type of thing uh if they want all of their product boneless and ground up ground up obviously you're not going to get the bone weight then that you'd normally get back as well so that becomes the the challenge on that is managing that on average if you look at the live weight of the animal it's usually going to be about 60 percent with beef at least about 60 percent becomes the hanging weight and then depending on what they want back uh, now so many of your customers are so good about wanting everything Everything. (laughs) exactly uh and wanting the bones for the bone broth because bone broth is life and this type of stuff Mm -hmm. that their yield the final yield of what's going to show up in their freezer is considerably higher than what would be for somebody who would be doing a more traditional traditional cut off of it there so you can end up expecting close to between 65 to 75 percent yield back in those types of scenarios so if the animal started out at 1200 pounds you know then we're going to end up with about 7 to 750 hanging on a hook of that 750 you're then going to be looking at well whatever that comes down to I don't I'm have my calculator just
1: to say i like what did that be 500 and five, five five to 600 something something in between there between 5 and 600 depending on if you want the internal stuff the yeah the liver yeah. i had somebody ask for what was it the tripe uh, yep, yeah. yeah, and that added a considerable amount of weight to the oh, animal. Absolutely. Yeah, you had said it was it was considerable. Yep. So yeah, that mm-hmm. does that, that does vary. So when that is here, and he takes a beef, let's say we are just going to use beef for an example right sure. now. So So yeah, the hanging weight is minus the hide, minus the blood,
3: mm-hmm.
1: the inter. Well, I shouldn't say the internal organs. It kind of depends.
3: Yeah, depending. You, you take on, yeah. the internal organs.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, except for you don't take the intestine. Yep. Usually don't take the stomach. Correct. Yep. Um, and the head's gone. Mm-hmm. And so that's...
2: Yeah, all of that?
1: Yeah, yeah, all of that is exactly. gone. So he's just basically got a carcass. Yep. And that's where your hanging weight comes from, plus whatever, the heart, that type Correct. of thing. Correct. Is, there, is there anything on the animal that uh, the person cannot have?
2: The only part that we're not allowed to give back is the lungs. Okay. okay. that's uh, It's a major problem. The, the, the USDA and Minnesota Department of Ag will not allow us to uh, to give back the lungs. Uh, their concern is uh, TB, okay. tuberculosis. And that's, uh, you know, the way it is yep. type of thing. Yep. So that's just, it's it's a rule, and we like to play by the rules whenever mm-hmm. we can. But, I mean, I've had customers ask for the trachea, the, the, the tube going up to the lungs. They then smoke that off and use that as a dog treat.
1: Yep, so, yep. I've seen that on Chewy.com where absolutely. I can buy the trachea. <laughs>
2: absolutely. Uh, others want the hooves for... Mm-hmm. Uh, I have absolutely no idea, but they want the hoods. Uh, they, you know, this type <laughs> yep. of thing. Yep. Um, especially in a homesteading situation, you might, when you're looking at what animals to bring to your farm, um, your yield can really be dependent on that as well. You know, pigs, you get a higher yield because more of it gets, gets used in more ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, goats and lambs have a very, very high yield.
1: Oh okay. Yes.
2: Yeah, so because really all you're losing is the hide, and a lot of people want those hides to turn into throws or blankets or or that type of thing. Okay. So there's a lot you can get a lot higher yield on those types of animals than you can off of traditional beef, let's say. So okay. So when when especially with some of your your listeners might be interested in what animals to have, and yield can be a major factor on that. You know. So okay. Okay. It works out as well. Okay.
1: But, I I guess I didn't realize that there was a higher yield on goat and and sheep or lamb. Yeah. Um,
2: So. Yeah, you can you can come out a lot. A lot of people, especially a lot of the customers that are buying goat meat, um, have a much greater appreciation for um, the, the 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 sweet meats, if you will. Okay. They'll, they'll use more of those types of pieces.
1: Um, and the sweet meats are for someone a, who doesn't know.
2: Yeah. Okay. That, that, <laughs> that's your that's your organ meat. Okay. Um, the or the organ meats, uh, the uh, the internals, that type of stuff, we can will be used a lot. I mean, even the sheep's stomach is used as a cooking bag in some cases. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. You know, traditional. So, yeah, uh, I mean, All those types of things can come into play and can be a, a, a better better value off of it. The look on your face, and I said using the stomach. <laughs> yeah,
4: body. I'm like, oh yeah, I've heard that before, but it was like, oh, don't know how to.
2: Yeah, no, it's a whole another category, and yep. it's it's amazing what can be done. Um I, I have some customers uh, that are from, say, India, mm-hmm. and they would do a curry cut on a lamb, and it's you literally start at one back leg, cut it all into two inch chunks, and pretty much everything is being used at different types of curries.
1: So do they cut the bone too? I mean, are these chunks? Okay, Absolutely. It's literally taking it on the saw,
2: zip, 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 zip all the way through. And it's uh, it's just a different way of using the animals. And it's fascinating. Yeah. We've
1: we've had um, people out here when we had more um, goats that we used for, for meat. And we Mm -hmm. had some from, was it Kenya? Yeah. I believe. And they were out here and they did, they just bought the animal and they processed it here on the farm. Absolutely. And literally the, when they skin them, Mm-hmm. Th- the eyelashes were still on the yeah. the goat hide, uh-huh. and they did a beautiful job with the goat hide. I, I actually uh-huh. saved a few of them.
2: Absolutely, but they
1: Absolutely. took everything. They took the eyeballs. They, I mean, they there was nothing left. I mean, literally, they they tied yeah. what they had left was probably. Mm-hmm. what like a a lunch bag yeah a lunch sack that was and it was all tied up and all nice and neat and all we had to do is drop it in our compost pile yep. that's all that was left they took the intestines they, they just took just about everything off mm-hmm. of that animal there was hardly anything left
2: yep it's, it's just a more efficient use yeah. of of the animals yeah so a lot to be learned there yeah a lot yeah to be learned so,
4: there, so. okay all right let's see what else you have a question for him jamie um um Well, here's one that I I had I had to do a few a little research to come Uh. up with questions for Thad and for Carol as as a consumer, because I have never never personally as an adult raised animals to be butchered. I've always bought mine. And as a kid, my mom and dad did all that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so my thing is, how how do I, I would assume that either you or Carol would help a customer? Do I need to buy a quarter of a cow, half a cow, or should I buy the whole cow?
2: That's a great, that's a great question off of that. And uh, you want to jump in on this one (laughs) first?
1: Well, um, off of my farm, I prefer not to sell anything smaller than uh, a half a beef simply because we have small animals, you know, um, our last hanging weights on our beef were what 400 and something and 300 and something on the last two animals. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that fits pretty nicely into it. An average
2: deep freeze, correct? correct.
1: As a whole so that was animal, a whole,
4: that was whole. That was with- a whole animal. Okay. Um, and you compare and then, that
2: to other other farmers yes. in the area. So then you can be looking at 11, 1,200 pounds yep. hanging weight. Yeah. And that changes the 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 question considerably.
4: Yeah. So so is that just because of the breed of animal you have, or because yes. you're grass fed, grass finished?
1: No, it has more to do with the breed. You know, we have um, Scottish Highland. Highland cattle out here And they're smaller They're just a smaller breed And then of course If you're picking out Of my dairy herd We've got jerseys And our jerseys Are just They're just not big You know They're Mm -hmm. not big Like a Holstein Or a a brown Swiss Or something like that Mm -hmm. We just have Smaller animals Just due to their breed And yes Ours are 100% grass fed So that really affects More of the fat That you get On your animal Mm -hmm. And our fat Is extremely yellow Yes Yeah. We have when he processes an animal here. I just can't believe how yellow our fat is, oh, okay. as, as yeah.
2: opposed to a grain-fed, where you get that very white, right. you know. Um, and there's just uh, there's also just simply not a, a lot of fat yeah. in the grass-fed to begin with. So it's a, a completely different uh, critter, is what it boils down to between the grass-fed and the and the grain-fed. Um, I agree completely as far as the half an animal. Uh, more from there's a lot of specialty cuts that. You only get one per half of an animal. Oh, okay. There's only two flank steaks on the entire cow, one on each. Well, on the flanks. Yeah. So you know that gets you your flank steak. That gets you uh, uh, a hanger steak. That gets you all the specialty cuts from that side. All of you're going to get the full uh, amount of flat iron steaks and those types of pieces. um, That I have no way to really break those down into. You can't break them
4: into two quarters.
2: Yeah, exactly. Um, So it allows you to get you know, a better, a a better experience from my, from my perspective, you're going to get a a richer experience out of the deal by getting at least a half. Uh, and with your size cows, that works out just fine. Yeah. That's, that's a great, a great way of going. And then of course
1: you only have one heart. Yeah. Yeah. Only one tongue, you know? And so somebody, even if you're getting a half, you might not get those. The liver, uh, you can probably divvy that up. Yeah. Um, but
2: uh, it's, yeah. It's, it's harder to do with the pancreas. Uh, kidneys, there's two kidneys, so you each get a kidney. Uh, those types of pieces. But yeah, one person ends up with the heart, the other one ends up with the tongue, you know, type of thing. And it just sort of works its way on through. But so the whole a hole, if you have the space for it, you know, a hole is great. If, if you don't have the space for it, a half is all right. If you don't have the space for a half, well, get a quarter. You know, that'll right. get, it'll still get you a better yield of a better tasting meat that's been taken better care of than at a better price point, usually, than what you'd find at the grocery store. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, so that's a lot of good factors going into that. Now, uh, one question I had for you, Carol. Uh-huh.
3: Uh-huh. I flipped uh-huh. it on oh. you
1: here.
2: <laughs> What factors do you bring in when you're determining the price per pound for hanging weight? How does, how do you go about Oh, boy.
1: <laughs> I, I guess I, I really I just kind of look at the markets, and I also check what's what the equivalent is in the grocery store, um, yeah, um, to see what grass-fed meat is going for. And to be honest, it's sometimes kind of hard to find that
3: yeah, locally. No, yeah.
1: yeah, locally. You know, Azure carries some of that, um, and I have sometimes have to do some online searching to see where we're at. Um, and then yeah. I also consider. Am I willing to pay that price myself?
3: Yeah. At that's, the end of a, the day. that's a
1: big thing. Yep. Yeah. I if I'm not willing to pay that much, I don't expect somebody else to pay mm-hmm. that much. And so those are that's just kind of how I go with it. <laughs> you know, grass fed, you know, and it, it, it might be different if it comes out of our organic, because our cow, our dairy herd is certified organic. If we're Absolutely. picking from there, you might pay a little bit more because they are organically certified organic cattle where our beef, are are fed organically but not certified. I can't always say that they have certified organic hay. I can say they have pasture because our pastures are all all organic, but not necessarily do they always get sure certified organic hay. Mm-hmm. You know, they're hundred percent grass fed and that for most of my customers is more important that they're antibiotic free, medication free, and they're hundred percent grass fed than being certified organic. Exactly. That's, that's their
2: well, that's the, the criteria. And that's probably a great point to always make sure to know your farmer. Yes, when you're whenever yep. any of your any of your listeners are going to this, get to know your farmer. Yes, and learn to trust your farmer and what they have going on,
4: mm-hmm.
2: and then everything goes so much better.
4: Yep. So that was one of my questions for you was like how was the animal raised you know yep. and then how was the animal finished and you guys have covered that. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, that's that's a big thing is um, I always make it very clear where the animal's coming from when when um, somebody asks me about beef, you know, if you're looking for certified organic meat then we need to then I need to look at the dairy herd and if you don't you just want 100% grass-fed beef. And then I'm I'll sure pick will. from I'll pick from the um, the uh, Highland herd or our beef herd. Um, I'm very honest with my customers. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they trust me, and they know that I'm going to be honest with them about what's what ha- this animal, how this animal's been raised, mm-hmm. and whether or not it's always been raised here. Although we haven't brought cattle in for a very very long time. <laughs> that um, was one of
4: my other questions that I found that I hadn't thought of mm-hmm. because I've always dealt directly with farmers that i mm-hmm. knew raised you know raised their calves for for slot, for processing mm-hmm. and stuff but it was like are you are are your animals born on your farm or are you a re- reseller where you go out and have buy calves mm-hmm. and bring them in and raise them because mm-hmm. the, they said that the the question was you know that that animals born on the farm you knew the farmer knew how they were raised mm-hmm. and things they've gone through mm-hmm. whereas a reseller Wouldn't know how the calf was born or Mm -hmm. what it was
1: medicated. Yes. Yes. If it had the scours and they had to treat it for something or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. See, and I would know all that. The only thing we ever bring in here is a bull. We may Mm -hmm. bring a bull in for breeding. And that's about the only animal that comes on our farm that isn't born and raised here. You know, right Mm -hmm. now we have a we have a Highlander from the neighbor who's over here doing some breeding for us. And, of course, he'll go back to his home so we don't have to worry about that because um, he won't ever get processed, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> just not
2: going to be part that's of That's just not going to happen, I don't I think. He's I kind
1: of a baby. That. Yeah, he's, he is. A big he pet. Is. He's a big, a big pet, yes. Pet, yep. Yes, he is. But
2: yeah, no, that, and that's a... I, I know some farmers that do the, just the um, buying the calves in the spring and raise them up for the year and... That works out okay, but it's different when you have a herd that's been curated for generations, like what, what's going on here, mm-hmm. where you have these multiple generations of animals. You can trace a lineage back on those, and you can decide what characteristics you want in not just highland, but in your particular highland beef, or what characteristics you want in your dairy mm-hmm. herd. Mm-hmm. Um, that makes that changes things considerably. Mm-hmm. You, know? and you can start working towards better, better meat character, better end product characteristics based off of that. So it can be a big, big deal.
1: Mm-hmm. So. I sell a lot of calves to people who want oh, sure. to raise their own, their mm-hmm. own beef. You know, and I'm real honest with them. I'm like, I've, I'll let them know if the calf had scours. If we had to treat them for anything like that, uh, people know exactly what they're buying from me. Whether they raised on mom, raised on a bottle, you know, <laughs> all of those things, you know, are important. And I just, I just think it's really important to know that just because your farmer is organic and raises organic, say, milk, and she has an organic milk herd, don't always just assume that the beef coming off their farm Mm -hmm. is certified organic.
4: Yes. Oh, yeah.
1: Because there are some that, you know, I don't need to keep my bull calves or my steers organic because they're not going to go into my -hmm. organic herd. So make sure you ask has the steer if that's important to you mm-hmm. has this steer been raised organic on organic feed absolutely because some farmers will not come forth with that information because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. uh, i'll be honest in in our herd and if i have um, i have bull calves that get sick on me and my treatments aren't working and i need him fixed soon mm-hmm. i will i will resort to using antibiotics but that animal is then tagged Mm -hmm. that we know that it's been treated like that, and if it's ever sold, that information goes with that animal. It doesn't happen very often. It's usually a case of pneumonia that I can't get cured. That's usually what I'm treating out here. I've gotten really good, and I I can see it coming on fast enough, and I can get my homeopathic treatments and my organic treatments to work, so I don't have to do that. But that is just something you really should ask because not... Organic feed's expensive. It's expensive. It's it mm-hmm. costs a lot to raise an organic animal, and so and I totally understand why you don't want to put them on organic feed. I mean, we keep steers here that are from my dairy herd. They'll go in with the beef. Yep. They they're raised oh, with yeah. the beef. They're not raised with my dairy cows because it's too expensive to raise them on our totally organic certified organic
2: feed. Um, and they do great on the on the grass fed. Yep, they, they do, do just fantastic. fine. On you know, the mm-hmm. grass fed, so yeah, there's no there's, and that's and that's where I was talking a little bit about the uh, how important that organic standard stamp is
3: necessarily, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: because a lot of the things that you do are far and above what would be for an organic standard. Um, other other places are very comfortable playing right to the line of what is organic and what is not organic, and yep, adding you know other things into it that qualify as organic, but aren't natural part of the animal's diet yeah if that makes sense
1: yes and see for me that's something that I was shocked at when we started in organics and I was
2: like really
1: you can give all of that mm-hmm. and that's okay <laughs> um, yeah I'm not starting to do that no. I know I um, I believe less is more yeah. and I it may sound cruel to a way uh, in a way but I want the healthiest animals, the healthiest stock I can have out here, and I don't want to have to be treating my animals for sickness all the time. I, so my healthy ones stay, and the mm-hmm. sickly ones go away yeah. because they need to be able to handle the bugs on my farm and to be the strongest, have the best immune system for what is going on my farm. Now, one of my healthiest cows could go to another farm, and she might not do so good because Mm -hmm. she's not used to those bugs over there. You know, every farm is different. But for my cows, I want them to have the healthiest immune system possible for the farm that they are currently on. To me, I don't vaccinate. vet is out here maybe once every year, 18 Mm -hmm. months, something like that. And Sometimes that's just simply because I need to get some kind of a medication from them that's certified, is okay to give them, and I can only get it through a vet. And the vet has to be on my farm every mm-hmm. year, has to be in on my farm in the last 12 months in order for them to dispense that medication. Okay. I already know what's wrong <laughs> I just but I, there's nothing else I can do but treat it that way you know Absolutely. Um, and so that's the only that's mm-hmm. the reason most of the time the vet is out here.
2: and that's where when I was talking about a curated herd, that's exactly precisely yep. what I mean mm-hmm. okay that's 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 the right way for. Uh, in my in my perspective, you know, I, I'm not trying to pick on the guys that are picking up their animals and raising up uh, 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 cu- uh, the uh, coal cows and stuff like that. You know, a ter- terminal breeding programs happen in, on, on most farms, mm-hmm. and that's great. But it, this is a different level, you know, and it makes things a little just a little bit more straightforward. I think when you have that multi generation thing going on.
1: So. Yep. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with picking up a full calf making it a steer and raising it yourself Absolutely and taking not. it to the butcher you mm-hmm. know i mean you know exactly what has gone into this Absolutely. animal so you you know exactly how it was raised and i mean mm-hmm. if you're okay because you had to treat it with an antibiotic you know you know you know what yeah. you're consuming the big thing is that the consumer needs to know what yes. they're getting yeah. that's what's most important mm-hmm.
2: family-owned peak brings small town customer service to their online farm store PeteCoSupply.com specializes in automatic waterers from top brands such as Miraco, Jug, Franklin, Trojan, and Ritchie, as well as other products for your operation. Find your farm supplies and automatic waterers at That's PeteCoSupply.com. That's Supply.
1: Okay, now, what did we get off topic? I'm not oh, sure. Oh, i sure we're we far <laughs> afield at this point. <laughs> yep,
4: yep, yep, yep.
1: Oh, we were speaking of things that you can keep off of yes. the animal. Uh-huh. And so, you know, my customers, <laughs> <laughs> I and they do, They uh, my customers tend to utilize just about everything. The only thing I, I've only sold one, I've only had one person take a hide with. Yeah, it's surprises yes. me a little bit. Um, and I think sometimes it just intimidates people, uh, you know, well, having to... to process mm-hmm. the hide and, and um, I've yep. tanned before oh, yeah. and it is labor intensive mm-hmm. and I was just doing goat and yeah. and rabbit hides <laughs> yeah. and yeah it's it's a bit which but now people don't think of taking things off of a hog mm-hmm. but I do have one customer that likes the trotters and she was mm-hmm. like uh, she says to me so can I have the trotters and I'm like okay, okay yeah. you have to tell me what, what is a trotter. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, and I'll have to ask that. <laughs> yes, well, you want to tell us what trotters are? Okay, so <laughs> the
2: very lowest portion of the foot, okay, that last joint where you have the toenails, and yep. I love the expressions on your face as I'm telling you about this sort of a thing. It's,
4: like right. I, I yeah. would not have thought.
2: But by steaming that that last little piece of foot, it cleans off well. You can take the toenail off, leaving a wonderful bit of collagen there. And then we remove the skin from that area. And then you toss it in a pot and you get a a really thick, heavy, hearty soup out of it.
4: So they're going to like make a a bone broth, soup broth.
2: Yeah. With about three times the amount of collagen that you'd normally get in bone broth. So there is a value to it, but... It's a real pain in the butt to do. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, It's not my favorite thing to do. But you know, just like everything else, the answer is always yes, and then we figure out how. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's just the way we do it. But yeah, you you got to you got to put that foot into scalding water to get those toenails to pop, and then. That just comes off of the pair of pliers and and you, and you, it it you
1: do all that, you prep yes. all of that for oh, yeah. for so my particular customer who uh-huh. wants those those feet. And that's exactly what she says. It makes the most marvelous bone broth. Uh-huh. And she says, So I really want those. Mm-hmm. So that that was something I had never heard anyone I, talk about oh, on a hog. Mm-hmm. And you know, I don't know he really hear a whole lot of people who, who make like pork broth.
2: Yeah. Bone no. broth,
1: you know that is just something that they don't do, and I don't know why.
2: Well, I think a lot of it is because when you're dealing with the larger bones on the pig, you know that, that the bone in the ham, that stays in the ham, you know, and the bone in the shoulder that stays in your shoulder roasts oh. and you use the baby back ribs as ribs, and you use the spare ribs as ribs, and well, golly, there's just not much left for bones, you know. Okay.
4: There's, so, there's no, so there's no soup bone really in hogs.
2: Correct, unless we do a boneless ham. You know, I can process down to a boneless ham and then you'd get that one bone off the leg, you know, but otherwise there's just not much, there's not much oh, I never, there.
1: I
4: never thought of that
2: because yeah. I was like, oh,
1: how
4: come nobody does that? But exactly. I, but then we do take, you know, the ham bone mm-hmm. and you make, I make bean soup with mm-hmm. it. Absolutely. So, you know, I'm not and making a bone broth with it, but I'm making an awesome soup. Yeah.
2: And you are still getting the, um, the collagen the and collagens it. and the uh, uh, marrows from that bone. Okay, it's, they've been salted, but you're still getting that back into your into your diet. Yeah. So it's mm-hmm. still there. Mm-hmm. It's just, and the and the bone from the shoulder from when you do your pulled pork, you can take that bone and make a great split pea soup out of that and all that kind okay. of stuff. So it's still there. It's just
1: different than a cow. Yeah, it's different yeah, it's than a cow. Different, yeah. Different than a cow. Oh, exactly. That's, yeah, I had never thought of that.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also why the yield is higher on on pigs then because all those bones are.
1: Or oh, are added exactly. or included back oh, into the weight. So. Yeah. Oh, look at how we're learning. Yeah. Wow, even, yeah.
2: And we brought it all the way back around to the initial question <laughs> on yield.
4: Yield. Sorry, there I'm we sorry. go. We
1: did. All right. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about grass-fed versus sure. feedlot-type, mm-hmm. grain-fed. Now, I have learned with our beef, because they're 100% grass-fed, that our beef has to hang. Yes. Because we've had beef that you cannot eat chew because <laughs> the butcher would not hang it for me long enough T- let's talk a little bit about hang time why it's important Absolutely. do you do it in beef and in pigs or do you just or how how does that work because that Probably. was
4: one of my questions for him is how long will it take to get my meat once it's been processed okay oh, you know okay. At the farm. all ties together yeah yeah okay. it all ties okay. together okay
2: so yeah so our shop we recommend between 10 to 14 days minimum hang time
4: for cow, for
2: cow. okay cattle in particular um, lamb and sheep, I, I want to chill to the bone. So maybe 24 to 48 hours and we can get started on that with, uh, pork. Uh, pork sort of a fluid one on it there because, you know, depending on the breed, uh, you might want a longer hang time, you know, uh, but when you deal with some of the her- the heritage breeds like the, the Mangalistas in particular, um, their fat is so, so heavy in omega three fatty acids that it has to be absolutely chilled thoroughly to the bone otherwise you can't cut the fat it just smears like butter <laughs> so it's, it's a it's a big time
1: when you're hanging a pig then uh, you you are hanging it and aging it as it's freezing is is w- that that what you're saying
2: between 35 to 37 degrees okay is the the cooler sits it has to be below 40 at all times okay okay they just like every Everybody who's ever worked food service will tell you if between 40 to 140 degrees is your danger zone. Okay. keep the meat out of that zone and cool down as quickly as you can. Um, The cooler, the better for for pork. I want that chilled right through the bone if I can because I'm going to get a cleaner cut. I'm going to get a better finish on the presentation of the product. Um, The main reason for hanging beef is you want the natural enzyme action to take place and start breaking down the fiber in the meat. Okay. That changes it um, also at the same time, you're removing some of the, the water weight of there. The, the downside of the hang time thing is that you do lose on your yield a little bit. So it was, um, you know, you could lose five, maybe even 10% of the, the water weight of that. The fat that's in the meat or on the, the cap of the meat will, will replace that inside the meat itself. So the, the fat cap will be different. It'll still be juicier because uh-huh. the fat is now replacing the, uh, the 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 actual water weight that's in it. Okay. So you're getting a juicier steak out of it by letting that hang time happen. Uh, you're breaking down the fibers and helping that work out. And for us, the uh, the sweet spot, I guess, is that 10 to 14 days. Some shops, you know, if you go to a, a high-end steakhouse somewhere, you'll find meat that's been dry aged for 45 days. Mm-hmm. And the amount that they have to trim off to get down to the meat inside, is is painful. Um, it's it, it, there's a, a rind that forms on it. Oh, just like uh, cheese. Just like just like cheese. Okay. There's okay. A, there's a rind that'll form on the meat, and you have to trim all that back in a way to get to the actual serving. Good portion. stuff. Yeah, to get to good stuff exactly. <laughs> and that causes a you know, and that becomes hard for customers to accept that they're going to lose you know that. Um, and once you get past 14 days, the amount of texture that's um, improved by that is is minimal. Um, okay. So you get your greatest amount within that 10 to 14 day time frame, and once you get past that, it becomes such an incremental amount that the uh, gain isn't worth the loss. Oh, okay. Does that make sense? Okay. So, yep. So you know, say so, I mean, we can we can go 21 days. We can go a little over that without really getting crazy as far as the loss but for the very very long hang times it just doesn't become as necessary um grass-fed in particular i think grass-fed beef in particular really um does uh, benefit from that hang time
1: well i i can tell you ours does because (laughs) The difference between our old butcher and you mm-hmm. with our meat is is mm-hmm. incredible. Well, thank you. Um, yes, I, I can make a much better roast. I don't have to do so many things to it to mm-hmm. hope it turns out tender. Yeah. You know, uh, that type of thing. I appreciate that you're willing to hang up. So now let me ask you this. So when you hang your beef or mm-hmm. your hog or whatever, are you doing anything to it? I mean, does it just literally hang from a hook?
2: It literally hangs from a hook. Okay. okay. When okay. You're
1: not putting any thing on it there's no salting it there's no no water added no no
2: um when in the in the processing um or the 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 initial processing okay to get it to that hook Uh uh-huh um what what we do of course is when the the animal comes in it's inspected it's cleaned uh, making sure there's no visible um, bacteria or Mm -hmm. uh, bacterial influences yep so, anything, especially when doing an on the farm harvest like here, there's yep. always dust in the air. Yep. Uh, especially yep. with the winds we've had around here. <laughs> oh, <and> yeah. <laughs> you know, I, it's I, it's amazing that the shop hasn't gone off to us yet. <laughs> it's, it's,
3: it's a
2: lot. Um, but the. Uh, there, there's always going to be that dust. There's going to be dust and transporting it back to the shop. So by the time it actually gets on the hook in the shop, now it's going through with a small flashlight and go, just working right down the animal and making sure that all of that's taken care of. It's then quickly rinsed off with water. We don't want to use too much water because water itself can be a source of bacteria. Okay. Right? And then it's very once that's all done, it's very lightly sprayed with a 50-50% mixture of water and 5% vinegar
3: oh okay 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 Okay. so
2: just put put a little bit of an antibacterial layer to that to keep any surprises from happening okay okay and then it literally goes into the cooler and hangs out okay you know and just let's just take you know takes that bit of real estate for a few days and
1: okay how do you keep track of your say you say you yeah yeah so you take two 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 beef off of our farm and two hogs on the same day so how do i know that I got the right beef and the right hog. How do you mark that? How I, do you
2: everything is marked. A tag is I actually write a cardboard note card, if uh-huh. you will, and have that tagged, pinned right onto the meat. Okay. Okay. So every piece in there is is pinned, and that pin stays with it. Okay. All the way through. So you have the farm name, date of harvest, the weight is all put onto that pin, jabbed into the meat, and okay. that stays right. There. That that follows through the whole process okay. all the okay. way through. Till, and then when it comes up to the cut room, that tag goes out and is married up then with the order form. Okay. Because um, that order form would be up from the same day as well. And mm-hmm. that's where you'll have the farm name, customer name, um, the cut instructions all okay. go onto the sheet there. And you've seen those sheets. Oh, yeah. You, you see that sheet. Yeah, I see that sheet. <laughs> <laughs> and then the weight is then added to that sheet as well at that time. It's supposed to be added <laughs> to that sheet at that time. There have been times mm-hmm. when perhaps the weight didn't get put on the sheet, but those sheets then stay together until it's cut, wrapped and put into the freezer, then that order sheet um, supplants the, the the tag that was in the cooler. Okay. And the order sheet then follows the the bin of meat through till the customer gets it. So it, okay. it, you have a full chain of custody right on through. Um, and then that's all marked off. It was harvested on the farm. And, you know, then my, my records then will show that what's harvested on the farm, what's harvested in the shop, on what day, uh, addresses of where it was, where I, origin, address of where it was dispo- uh, sent to, disposed okay. of, <laughs> sent to is a much better term. Um, all those types of factors come into play so that we can make sure that we have that chain of chain of custody, if you will.
4: Now. Are these steps, are some of them required by the Minnesota law or are some of them just your practices?
2: Well, although some variant of those steps are required by uh, both Minnesota Department of Agriculture and USDA. How you choose to interpret that is up to each individual shop. Okay. So uh, Minnesota Department of Ag is kind enough to offer us a, a blue book, okay, and it's actually a record-keeping book. and it works. It works very well. Um, I find by using my records in triplicate, I'm able to keep a better log of that because then I, I have those in order rather than, than transferring it over to the Blue Book. So I don't use the Blue Book. Okay. okay. And
1: so you're not required to use the Blue Book It's yeah. just provided for you. It
2: is provided, okay. and it, it's not a bad system of, of, mm-hmm. of working it. Um, I find using my, my records and keeping my records my way works a little bit better okay. for me. Um, so my interpretation of the rule, the rule is I must have the record, Yeah. whether it's in a blue, a book that has a little blue cover on it, or whether it's these individual sheets, as long as I have that record of every animal that comes through the shop. You can,
4: you can, you can reconcile where it came from and where it went.
2: Exactly. And that's, and that's the key to it there is, is making sure that that can reconcile because heaven forbid something happened and we have to track back to a farm we're not here necessarily, of course, but you know, it should should something have been discovered on a farm, mad um, cow disease, whatever it might be, we need to know where that meat went, and then who yep. it, where it was that sent makes, to? That, and that makes technology. total yep. sense. So yep. it's it's important that we maintain that that record and that chain all the way through. So,
1: okay, well that's. That's interesting cuz so I'm just like what do you do? How does that <laughs> How work? How does that work? How do you keep track it's, of it?
2: Yeah, it, and where it gets tricky is, you know with pork in particular is once we start using the brining buckets cuz I you know I take a pork belly and I put it in the brine for the the two weeks in the brine mm-hmm. that it goes in there. I have to Keep track of which one is stacked where inside that barrel or inside that bucket. Oh, you know, and so on my sheet on top of the bucket. Then Uh is okay. John's here. The doves here. All the way through the whole thing. I'm making sure that I have all those stacked up, and then try to maintain. One farm goes. So if I bring two pigs in, okay, well Mm -hmm. that's going to be. Four pork bellies. Those mm-hmm. four pork bellies then get stacked in, and each individual customer then has their layer in the bucket.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> so
2: that becomes that's where it gets a little yeah, bit more say, funky, yeah. you know. Yeah, and but it, you got to have track of all gotta of that. You got to be able to keep you know?
1: track of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So now you mentioned the cutting sheet. How does one go about cutting? Getting yeah. getting you the information they need so you can cut the way they want Absolutely. it. Absolutely.
2: And every shop's going to be a little different. Yep, so yep. Mileage, mileage may vary on this one. Uh, yeah.
4: Because I was going to say, my question was, will most butchers walk you through the process of choosing your cuts and how to do it? Because oh, I've, pr- mm-hmm. I've done it with you mm-hmm. and it was totally different than any other <laughs> shop I've ever done.
2: <laughs> um, in my less than humble opinion, okay, every shop should yes. walk you through every mm-hmm. cut and what you're going to do with it and what you're going to make with this when you're done and this kind of stuff. to Because, okay, you're a gardener. You're a fantastic gardener, okay? When you take a bite of a tomato raised in your garden, that first bite tracks all the way back to the every experience that you had raising that tomato, right? Oh, yeah. In my opinion, when you're buying meat, That experience should track from your first contact and agreeing to buy the meat until the steak is done and sizzling on the plate. Okay, and that first bite should involve the entire experience. So I want you to be excited about the meat that you're getting. OK, so I want to I want to I want to, I want to walk through every bit and piece on that to make sure you know what you're going to get, why you're getting it, what you're going to do with it once you got it, all these types of things. And then when I get weird calls about what the heck's an osobaka or whatever.
4: Yeah. <laughs> that,
2: yeah, I had that one. I When I make an osobuku for you and I tuck it in your bin and you don't know what that can do with it. That's part of it. That, that, that helps create uh, an experience for you. You know, it helps create something a little more, a more fun thing. So I want to. So I, I, I find a great value for me in being able to be of service that way, to be able to walk through all the cuts. Other guys want you to go online and click the box on their cut sheet of what you know, how big of a steak do you want, or how big. And if that works for them and that works for the customer, yay, go team. But I think both sides miss, miss out a little bit. If you don't take the time to do that. So at our shop, what, what we do is, okay, we've come out here. We've um, harvested your animals. No more tears on that one. <laughs> no, nope, we're, right. we're okay, good. Okay, okay. Okay. Just, just double checking.
3: Yep.
2: Uh, but yeah, the uh, harvest the animals here, bring them into the shop, get the weights. I contact you, Carol, with the weights. Mm-hmm. And then you say, okay, the, here's your customers. And then I'll contact you. And we get the contact the customers and go, okay, so here's what we got. What do you want me to do with this thing? and then we start working it right through all the cuts and start I usually start right at the nose yep, that's
3: what he say, yeah, the first he time start yeah. at the nose
2: <laughs> and we'll go all the way to the tail and you tell me what you want and i think it's a way to create a little more excitement i think it's an opportunity to create a better experience and oh yeah he mentioned oxtail yeah, well, th- that's what this is. Now what? You know, and call me back. I'll be glad to yep. tell you what mm-hmm. to do with oxtail. i mm-hmm. delighted be- to show you. So
4: the question is that, that whatever... The osso Yes. <laughs> tell them what to do with it. <laughs> okay. Because <not laughs> they're going to go, what is this? <laughs> okay.
2: So, yeah, the osso is the shank meat off of a cow. So it's the shank bone and the meat. I call it a crock pot hand grenade. Oh, it's so good. It, it really is pretty it is tasty. So good. Okay. <laughs> throw the whole thing in the crock pot. Let it do its thing overnight on, the slow, on a low heat okay the meat will literally fall off the bone the bone will come out hollow because all of that marrow is now totally absorbed up into the water throw in your veggies uh roots whatever you got handy add barley add potato rice whatever whatever floats it for you (sighs) that week and you end up with something kind of magical out of the deal Uh, it ends up being a really really good because
4: i do i have that package in there going what is I this? know <laughs>
1: I mine popped up and I was like okay what is this and uh-huh. I, I I messaged him and he was like well this is what you do and that's uh-huh. exactly what I did I put in a crackpot I actually started in the morning
3: okay
1: I did what he said I I added carrots I think carrots and celery onion sure. and I put barley in there oh that was fantastic absolutely <laughs> it was really good I'm like oh yeah I That's, hope there's more in my freezer somewhere.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, it's a great way. And this is, again, where you're talking about, you know, the ham bone that you're making the soup out of. This is that meat and that bone together and you're getting a really deep experience with the uh, the flavors that you can get out of that. You're, you end up putting in less salt. You end mm-hmm. up putting in less um, other seasonings. You just mm-hmm. don't need to, mm-hmm. you know, type yeah. of stuff because it just comes out with just the flavors itself just shining through. Yeah. So Yeah,
4: it's really good.
1: The other thing, Because of my customer base, there are certain things that I need to know Mm -hmm. when you're processing the animal so that it doesn't end up in the waste bucket. Yes. Um, For instance, pig ears. Yes. I have trotters. Uh (laughs) Um, What else have I had where I'm like, oh, we need to make sure that we keep...
2: the um, um, Not the pancreas. The... um, uh, Thyroid. Thyroid. Thyroid glands. Um, Um,
1: Yeah, there's a few things that get tossed... And uh-huh. do you, I need to know mm-hmm. those I need to know those things
2: it, yeah, Absolutely. tripe
1: is another one. Uh,
2: tripe is a great one. Yep. Um uh, bull's testicles, S- Yep. Uh, testi- se- sexual organs yep, are yep. a thing.
1: Um
2: it's a thing. It's you know, a, it, she's it, told me. Yeah. Yeah.
1: she I have I have customers who want all those things mm-hmm. off the animals and absolutely. Um, so those are things I try to make sure that when someone's asking me about our beef or about our hog. Yeah that i make sure i'm like okay now do you know about this and do you know about that do you want this do you want that because those are things i need to let him know when he's here yep. because once they are at the bottom of the bucket the it, waste bucket are not you, fishing you are not getting that back nope yeah so nope. Um,
2: i uh, i have yet to find a volunteer for that particular <laughs> job so yeah no it's going to be that would be a nope yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. so
1: you know or, you know uh, the bull penis, the penis, yeah, yeah. Um, that is something that um, we've actually harvested out here, mm-hmm. made it into
2: it's made into a lovely walking stick. Yes, actually, walking so. stick.
4: So, yes. <laughs> okay, that's a new one on me. It's
2: actually, made that for your husband. Actually, I down to it,
4: I have no. I haven't seen
2: it around. No, it's it's, it's nope. actually still it's, in the it's shop, shop here the shop. right now. Okay. So. <laughs> Uh, Maybe a, Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> Christmas. Well, he was having trouble walking for a while, so we thought we'd yeah. do something kind for the guy. Yep. And, <laughs> yeah. and there, goes, there, there goes the surprise for yeah, Christmas. Yeah, there yeah. we go. He oh, might re- be
4: surprised. <laughs> you you, you <laughs>
1: just be quiet now, okay? <laughs> yeah,
2: nobody tell Bob anything. Yeah. So.
1: Um, um, <laughs> okay. Let's see, what else did I want to talk about? If you as a listener are curious, you can go to Thad's Facebook page. Absolutely the Uh, on on the the road
2: road, on the road custom cutting
1: you can go there and Mm -hmm. if you look back to june of 2021 he actually has pictures of what a half a beef looks like Mm -hmm. cut up one way yeah as it says you can do other things but it it does kind of give you a visual of what a half a beef looks like Mm -hmm. at that particular way i don't remember what the weights were or whatever i don't know if it was our beef or not i don't remember Mm -hmm. there was also there's also uh, one of half a hog. Yep. And so it's kind of nice to be able to just see it, visualize. You, know, on, you know, and it's not packaged or anything. It's just all the meat just laying there all the, out on the table. And it does mm-hmm. give you a nice visual as to this to is what, what I'm getting. This is what I'm getting. I can get, you know, about this many steaks and a couple of roasts yep. or, you know, with that type of thing. And Absolutely. Um, so that's that's a really um, nice Thank you. Um, visual.
2: Absolutely. Because
1: you know? I lots of times people are like, well, how much what what does a you know, 200 pounds of beef look like Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: a great way to uh, the way I like to describe for a lot of customers is with with one of your beef. Uh, imagine the biggest bins that you can buy at your local fleet farm or running store or uh, the, the big 27 gallon black bins with the yellow lids type of thing that will hold about a quarter of beef or about half a pig.
4: I know it just okay. shocks me. Going, oh, okay. Yeah. So you know, so I always think you think of a hog, and it's like that should be overflowing, but it's not.
3: Mm-hmm. It's exactly. not because I
4: just picked up one last <laughs> week. Yes, mm-hmm. I yes. picked up a hog last week. So it was like, it's like, oh, okay, that's right. Yep, your it's... hogs are smaller than the one I got from another farmer mm-hmm. last year. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and that's and that's where it all starts with the. Uh, the live weight, the hanging weight, the final yield, um, it's all, it all depends on the animal itself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When you get down to it on that.
4: One question I had about that is tell them how you package your meat, whether you vacuum pack it. Uh, freezer, ra- or what
2: is it? Freezing freezer paper? paper? Yeah. By and large, I, I recommend freezer paper. We okay. do vacuum seal for, for customers on request, but we do have to charge more for that. It's an extra 15 cents per pound based on the hanging weight because those darn bags are so expensive. Yep, they are. Um, I, I definitely recommend, uh, if you're looking for longer term storage, more than two or three years, the, the vacuum sealing does make some sense. Okay. By and large, though, most of our customers are buying with the intention of using it within the next six months to a year. And the freezer paper, if, if wrapped correctly, is going to handle that just fine. And it just becomes a good cost-effective way to create, to, to get yeah, the meat.
4: I think, because I still have some of your Carol's beef in the freezer, mm-hmm. pulling it out. I just did a roast last week, and it's still fine.
2: And yep. that was from a while that, back. Now.
4: That would have been... Um, December when we butchered the,
2: the dairy bull. Yes. That would be that one. Yep. So,
4: yeah. So that's yep. coming up on a year. Yeah, yep. yep. Coming up on and a year.
2: Yeah, if you're using it within a year, a year and a half, you're totally within yep. as far as the paper goes. Um, if you're planning on longer term storage, there could be a good argument for the um, vacuum seal bags. One thing that I would definitely recommend is if you're planning on using a, a sous vide style cooking. The vacuum seal is wonderful because you're literally taking the food from the freezer, putting it into the sous vide pot, putting the, setting the wand, and leaving it alone. Okay, so you can you don't have to worry you don't have to worry about vacuum sealing it before bringing it to the sous vide pot. It's already done for okay. you. Okay,
1: um, one step done. Anyway. Yeah,
2: one step done. And mm-hmm. so uh, I I enjoy that for my own cooking because um, I like to, I like to use the sous vide whenever I can. It's it's easy to do. Um, it, it'll hold the, the same temperature for you know, eight to ten hours without a problem. And then when you're ready to cook, it's it's two minutes in a frying pan, just putting a browning to it on the outside, and you're done.
1: Okay, so we're talking about vacuum sealing. Uh-huh. Now, you have showed interest in borrowing our Avid Armor vacuum sealer, Absolutely. chamber sealer, for, um, to use in your shop, and mm-hmm. so um, we're... Very excited to... Um, oh, my. It's, just, it's actually okay. sitting right next to him. Yes, I, I just
2: I just noticed I've got this great companion sitting right next to me. This is an amazing so, thing.
1: So um, he's going to give that a shot in his Absolutely. In his uh, um, shop and see how that works and give us a, a lovely review on that. I, I can
2: tell you right now off the top that it's going to be fantastic. I like the depth of the main chamber there. Mm-hmm. I'm very impressed. A lot of them don't have that much depth. So okay. one of the concerns whenever going to... Uh, chamber sealing of course is considerably better than just regular vacuum sealing when you get your, your food saver vacuum sealer bzzz, type of thing right the, uh, uh, the problem with that is that you, you're going to lose moisture inside there yes. with, a, with a chamber like this well I'm sure you know you can do anything you can vacuum seal soup you can vacuum seal milk for crying out loud yeah. it's a different yeah. level of, of work on that the trick when doing it with meats is having a chamber deep enough to be able to handle a larger roast
4: Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. So
2: now you're going through everything. This is fantastic. And then you get to that ham. And there's no way that you can fit that thing into the chamber. Uh But I can tell already that that one has a deeper, a better design to the lid that's going to create a better chamber um, than a lot of the other ones I've seen out there. So I'm very excited to see how that that plays off. Okay. All right.
1: Well, we'll be. I
2: might change my entire opinion on paper wrapping (laughs) if we're not (laughs) careful.
1: So how about how about um, I know you offer, you know, smoking the bacon and brining and all that stuff. But what about the the person who's like, oh, I want to make my own bacon and ham? Is that an issue for a butcher or?
2: It shouldn't be. Um, it, it it really shouldn't be because it, it, really it's one step easier to okay. do. Um, yeah, you know, Most of the butchers that I know would be happy to set up a kit if they want, you know, we'd, mm-hmm. I'd be happy to set up a, a, a quick brining kit for somebody who wants to do their own ham type of stuff. And mm-hmm. just explain, okay, this is what you're gonna do, this is the thing you're gonna need, yeah, get your Traeger set up or get your grill set up, or whatever you're gonna do that, and go for it by all means, and help them through some of the basics, or at least show them some websites where they can set up their EQ brine. It's not a difficult process, mm-hmm. it just takes space and time. Okay. you know, Cause you gotta keep that brine in the refrigerator. So you know, now next thing you know, you're getting scolded by your spouse for three quarters of the refrigerator taking up with all of this smoked meat you know, type of thing, or God forbid you actually have to use the beer, the beer fridge to do it yourself, well, now you don't have room for the beer. Uh, these are serious problems, you know, so I- Beer in a cooler. Yes, exactly, it's a, it's a problem. So it, it, it depends, uh, it, but yeah, it, it shouldn't be a problem for somebody okay. who wants to do more of that to get up even a five-minute education and at least a good attaboy go for it type of thing. Uh Um, I imagine there's butchers out there that just want to do it their way and Mm -hmm. that's just what they want to do, but but they're wrong. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Or there's like
4: me that sometimes... I'm leery. I have to watch a lot of the seasonings and the brains that some butcher uses have. Yes. MSG and mm-hmm. ingredients that some people may not want. Exactly. And so I always, until this last one, yeah. have always gotten um, just fresh side and ham steaks.
2: Absolutely, and That's- that and that works out great. Um, the uh, and and that shouldn't be a problem for a for a, for a butcher to do that. Sometimes it can get depending on the volume that the shop does, it can be challenging to be able to adapt your recipes to make sure that you're meeting the dietary needs of your customers. Yeah, you know what I mean. That can be that can be challenging. Um, I, I had some customer I had a customer just today now ask that we please use um, celery powder rather than the standard pink salt for oh. for making their. They want to use an organic nitrate rather than using oh, okay. the the pink salts. Commercial nitrates. So happy to do it. But it, it's just one more step. Yeah. You know, type of thing. And,
4: and it, it will yeah. cost you more probably for that. Well, Because yes. that ingredient's not. Yes. A little bit. It costs a little bit more for you.
2: Yeah. So then you have to adapt. And, and it's changing gears and this kind of stuff. And just like when you buy, you know, you buy the candy bar for, or the Hershey's candy bar that says 100% chocolate. Right. And says warning may contain nuts on the bottom of it. A, any shop, there's always, and I don't care how clean you are. I don't care how good you are. There's always a possibility for cross contamination. Yes. So the shop, you know, my shop does have, uh, the, the pink salt nitrates in it. Therefore the possibility of exposure is there. It's present. Yep. I, I can't promise 100% because it is in the shop. You know, yeah, every possible measure is taken to ensure no cross contamination. But if your allergy is that sensitive, get salt pork or get get um, the bro- side. Get, fr- get fresh sides. You know they taste fantastic, and uh, do them up yourself. And there's others, other curing techniques that can be done at home. Um, there's smoke boxes that can be built, um, salt boxes. You can salt box at home without a problem. It's just a matter of time and space you know so yep. but yeah make sure to talk to your butcher about that before you start the process yep. you know if that's if that's something that needs to happen that might be something as a producer as a as a, as a farmer mm-hmm. that you want to make sure if there's any particular dietary considerations mm-hmm. um, to have that mentioned type of stuff mm-hmm. so we're not I usually
1: do. I was Mm -hmm. like, you know, I do get a lot of questions, you know, about what you do actually use in certain seasonings and stuff, and I, I usually tell them you need to talk to that because that knows what he uses, and I only can tell you what. I've heard or what he's told me in the past, but, you know. um, That could change. He may have been doing it and now he may have changed his recipe. You need to talk to to him to make Mm -hmm. sure that you're getting what you want because he's very willing to please.
2: Yeah. Um, And I I would say most of the butchers out there would be willing to make, some, as as long as it's not, you know, I need you to completely sterilize your smoker mm -hmm. between every piece of bacon Mm -hmm. that you make and uh, (laughs) that type of thing. As long as it's it's, it's reasonable and understandable, I would say probably most of the guys out there should be willing to do it. And if not, give mm-hmm. me a call, I'll do it.
4: Yeah. Um, one of my, th- my question as a consumer was, we were fortunate to have a few butcher shops in our area. Yes. yes. I don't know if that makes it easier to schedule the processing and the harvesting. So mm-hmm. who schedules it? Do, do you schedule it? Because I have heard some um, places that the customer has to schedule it. Okay, For for me, for off
1: of our farm, Thad and I correlate mm-hmm. as to um, when we're going to harvest. I I usually have to make for sh- for sure that I have sold the complete animal. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing. When yeah. somebody says I'm looking for whatever, and then I usually try to be like, okay, are you looking for it in a certain amount of time? You know, mm-hmm. are you looking for it in the next two weeks, or are you looking out at a month because you still have to empty half your freezer? You know, yeah. whatever type thing. And then I contact Thad. And then okay. we decide he gives me usually a couple of dates or whatever and I run it past the customer. Will you be ready? So if it's a beef and we're harvesting it on the twentieth, now it's gonna hang for 14 days, ten to fourteen days. So now you're looking at another two Absolutely. weeks. Um, so usually for, for my farm, I schedule it because my animals don't leave my farm live. <laughs> you know, yes. some some people come and they pick up the animal and they take it to the butcher. And Mm -hmm. the butcher that then at the shop is taking her, which is a service that that also provides. I got a a stock
2: trailer, so you can bring him in that way.
1: He he can take the animal in live if if you want to. Um, Mm -hmm. My customers prefer the the kill to happen on the farm Mm -hmm. just because it's supposedly less stress for the animal, not so much for the producer. (laughs) (laughs) but it's Mm -hmm. they just have that one moment of bad and they're not stressed out because they're in a trailer because most of my animals have never seen the inside of a a livestock trailer some of them have because madison of course has shown animals and and that type of thing so some of them have but Mm. for the most part they don't know what a livestock trailer is and it can be extremely stressful for an animal who doesn't get hauled Mm -hmm. to be put in there
2: so that's that's actually a great a great point when you start dealing with transportation stress of the animals and you compare and i'm gonna make you cry carol i'm sorry i know (laughs) this is gonna happen but when you compare what happens here um out at the farm where it literally if all goes well it's a moment and they have no idea what has happened yep okay Mm -hmm. or they can be put compare that to what happens with your grocery store meat Okay, where the animal's picked up on the farm, put into a trailer, taken to auction. These are herd animals, right? So you've taken them from their herd. You've put them around same and similar animals that are not part of their herd. It's confusing. Water's available, but it's one drinking fountain in the thing. And uh, I'm so sorry. I know I'm going to make you cry. No, No, I'm fine. uh, They they go to the auction house. Then they're purchased at the auction house. Then they're loaded onto another trailer. Then they're transported to facility. A facility somewhere, um, Nebraska comes to mind. Uh you don't know where the animal's going necessarily. It's then processed and Omaha meats goes gets gets a hold of it. It's it's then put into another stockyard with other animals that it's not familiar with. This is now forty eight hours later, you know, okay. Type of thing. Of constant stress and anxiety, with no idea what's going on. And the animals will actually lose weight. Serious poundage you, of weight.
4: Well, because they're not eating stuff like they're
1: that. They're not eating. You know. They're
2: stressed. They're, you know.
1: For instance, you take an animal to the fair, uh-huh. you know, and especially cattle. Cattle are, are just terrible for this. Mm-hmm. And our county fair is is um, inside the city limits, so yeah. the cow has to drink city water
4: yeah oh. city
1: water doesn't taste no like so you have to disguise that water somehow or another a lot of people use gatorade and stuff to put mm-hmm. into the water to make it taste different they might haul water from home to yeah. make sure the animal's drinking and just think about what this poor yeah. cow is going through you know she's she doesn't have her friends anymore her yeah. family uh-huh. you know and whatever and it's like so I, that doesn't surprise me that they lose weight like yeah. that. They're, you know? they're yeah. down
2: a lot, just the water weight alone, um, the, the constant stress and the sweating out of all of that, and the adrenaline itself. You know, every, uh, everybody who hunts can tell you about the deer they had to chase through the wood tasted, woods tasted tougher than the one that just dropped. dropped. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the same type of thing. Um, you, you amp that adrenaline in these animals by racing them all over the country it's going to affect the meat. OK. You know, it just does. Mm-hmm. You know. So it, 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 the way the way that we, we tend to do it uh-huh. between the two of us here is you you raise good animals and I just try not to screw them up. That's kind of <laughs> what it boils down to. Um, it works out pretty good for everybody, I think. And on the farm harvest becomes is a, is a major proponent of that. Yep, Major factor of that. Um, It is. It's not the cheapest option.
1: No, it is not. To be fair, there is an extra charge for for the butcher to come here and 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 harvest. And you know, he literally stands outside, regardless of. Oh, we 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 did postpone one time because it was just too cold. It was like January, and it was just too cold.
2: The snow was literally horizontal that day. Yeah, it was just too cold. So we
1: had pushed that back a couple days. I would assume uh, the rain we were having yesterday yeah. probably would have stopped you uh, yeah we probably
2: w- i'd have been really grumpy yeah um,
1: <laughs> or even this morning it yeah, was raining a yeah, lot yep, the day yeah, too. exactly yeah. so um those are about the only two things mm-hmm. that really stop him he which is through the winter because we've mm-hmm. we've harvested in december and january yep. and february
2: We've um, done midsummer and in, in the heat. Yep, in the heat. You know, so. um,
4: yeah, but it, it does it does cost a little bit mm-hmm. more to have the. Yeah, I don't even here. notice it or don't um, know the difference mm-hmm. because it's just included in the price. Right. Yeah. Yep, that it's price just is added passed into there. Yep, yeah. it's passed yeah. on to mm-hmm. the customer. So yeah. Um, so because I know because you I pay you per pound right? Press yeah. Process pound. No
2: per hanging weight pound. Per.
4: Okay. Yeah. All right.
2: Uh, my prices are all based on hanging weight pounds, and that's
4: already and, and so for the fee to come out and harvest it is already included in that. That, or? Should,
2: that normally would be a separate line item. Oh, um, so maybe somebody should, should read
4: their ticket closely. <laughs> yeah.
2: You know. So yeah, it would away. just
4: be added into the total, total oh, okay. cost of the he animal. It just gives that, me a cost. I, <laughs> <yes. laughs>
2: I got to add more zeros <laughs> and this
4: unless it was outrageous. Here. Then I'd go, huh? Why? <laughs> why is the extra zero here? I <laughs> but,
2: yeah, it's yes. a thing. But yeah, yeah. No, it's it, it really depends. You know, I. I, I I I prefer on the farm harvest as far as that goes, but the logistics can be a challenge. You know, yep. we're we're very fortunate. You guys have a way of lifting the animal here. Mm-hmm. Um, other people it might not apply to. If let's say they're inside city limits, and our method of dispatch is a firearm, and so oh, yeah. that could get a little hairy. If yep. you know, um, I've had I had one farmer that had a ethical stance against firearms and didn't want firearms used on his property mm-hmm. at all. And but still wanted to do on the farm harvest. And I was like, well, this isn't going to end well for uh-huh. any of us. So uh-huh. we, we can't we can't do that. Um, I will need to bring a firearm out here. And we ended up using a uh, uh, a, a very small caliber uh, on his uh, on his pig. And it worked out just fine. And really, the the shot is about as about, off of a 22 isn't much louder than a two by four hitting cement, mm-hmm. falling flat on cement. So it's not a loud bang, but it is a bang.
4: Yeah.
1: You know.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay,
1: so, like with goat and lamb, are you able to not use a firearm because I know the Kenyans that were out here mm-hmm. they just slit the throat
2: yeah. i still I still use uh, I okay. use the firearm um, okay. i it's just the twenty
1: two
2: mm-hmm. um simply because the and the downside of that though there is a downside to using the firearm for the as the method of dispatch is that now I have a lead projectile, and therefore we can't harvest everything in the head, Oh, okay, right says we now have we've put lead into the brain uh, we can't use that that that, that now so you know, someone
1: who's looking for head cheese say for instance off of a hog exactly is not we'll going need
2: to, to yeah we'll, we'll need to find a different method of dispatch for them uh-huh um, and probably a yeah, uh, that gets a little bit tricky at that point. There are there are other things, captive bolt stunners and this sort of stuff, but for those, you have to have a direct, exact contact with the head to use the captive bolt sp- stunner. Uh-huh. So now we'll be racing around all over the place trying to get right up and be touching the head. You yeah, need, you so you
1: almost have to have some way to contain the yeah, animal to, to be able uh, to uh, to do something like yeah, that.
2: Because yeah, otherwise out here they're just doing their thing. Yeah, they're
1: just doing their thing, and there's
2: and, yeah. no there's it's. That becomes pretty easy when they're just chill and doing their thing. And oh yeah, yeah. You know,
1: yeah. I just I can't imagine trying to do a cow, yeah, or a beef animal with like slitting the throat or whatever. Yeah, the size of the animal mm-hmm. just doesn't seem to. Yeah.
2: Be. And certain and <laughs> cer- yeah, certain. Um, I don't know all the rules. This would be a great one to ask an actual rabbi about. But with uh, kosher, they have a, a rule about projectile being used. Okay. Um. So. Yeah, you're back to the knife. Yeah. Um, I have no idea. Never, I've never actually seen that done.
1: Uh huh. Um,
2: I've seen halal use with the goats and sheep
1: uh-huh
2: and yeah, again there's yep. no projectile used, there's yep. no stun used yeah um, i was
1: gonna say they just slit the throat and they had to have the goat had to be laying a certain direction yep. in relation they're, to the yep, sun in and the reason yep there was the, they the ears. Had to, they're yeah. like which way is north or whatever and they uh-huh. had to have the animal laying a certain way but uh-huh. you know goat is not a big animal no yeah. you know where you're looking at a cow now uh-huh. most of my cows you probably could you could probably <laughs> walk up and give them a hug and they you probably could do it in the dairy yeah, herd, yes, not in our beef yeah, herd, yeah. but in the dairy herd, you might be able to get away with that because uh-huh. um, my cows are extremely friendly, but you're not touching any of those cows. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the problem is they're also extremely smart, so I'd only get away with it once. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. probably. I, I, I pull up with my white trailer and they're like, oh, crap. <laughs> there it goes, Oh, I, yeah.
1: I, I'm pretty sure our dogs, our dogs don't like the firearms. Yeah.
2: So Go fig.
1: Um, but. Anyway,
2: <laughs> get a little doggy headphones or something. Know, be awesome. Um, so.
1: What's the difference between country ham and ham ham?
2: That's a great question. That I have absolutely no <laughs> idea. No, you're <I'm> kidding.
1: Don't <laughs> tell me we've stumped. Oh, sure. shoot, i probably stumped him. <laughs> a
2: lot of times, you'll find we um, you can. Most ham, of course, is the back hind quarter of the of the pig. Mm-hmm. All right, um, so you have picnic hams. Okay. That's the front shoulder that's been cured and turned into ham. Okay. okay. Then when you get to a country style ham, that's going to have a higher salt content to it. It's really what it boils down to. A higher salt content, a higher molasses level. Mm-hmm. Um, you're, you're really kind of amping that stuff up. Usually it's a, a slower brining process. They're using a salt box brine. Okay. Okay. So with a salt box, you, you're literally building a box. Mm-hmm. And then you're you're putting your ham in there and you're burying it yep. in the salt. And okay, I've seen that on YouTube. You've, yep. you're, you're relying on the um, the, the um, moisture evaporation and the salt to replace that in there. Okay, and that is now a fully, absolutely cured meat. So it okay. is not smoked. But then you'd smoke it afterwards. Oh, okay. Okay. Once you get the correct level on that, then you do a very slow smoke because you're you're basing that on on. A water lost okay or moisture lost from the meat so you, you, you pull it out and I don't have the, the percentage right in front of me right now I have literally nothing in front of me right now <laughs> uh, but yeah you, you you're going for a certain percent so if the ham originally weighed 22 pounds once it gets down to the 15 pounds or whatever it's supposed to be at at that point that meat has fully absorbed as much salt as it can and then you need to release that somehow a little bit, so you rinse it off real quick, and then you would hang that in the smoke, and then that smoke permeates up in there as well. So it's a much tr- more traditional okay. way of way, way of doing hams, and um, it, that this literally could hang, you know, in your basement, in a cool, dry, dark place for months at a time if you want, and
3: oh, be just fine. Okay,
2: that's where the expression you know, get, having the neighbors come over to chew the fat. Okay, you'd have your ham hanging up there, and you. would cut off a chunk and share it around the table type of stuff and sit around chewing the fat so
4: interesting
1: there's
2: your fun fact for the day All right, right. we'll
4: be quizzed Uh, on that later (laughs) (laughs) next get together huh guys
2: yeah this will also be the last time I uh, do one of these without reading through your questions first
4: (laughs) Um, Carol as a customer what forms of payments do you accept for your portion of the of the cow and I know this I know that um I pay you for the, the cow and then mm-hmm. I pay Thad the processing fee. Mm-hmm. So, what forms of payments do you accept here on your farm? I take a cash, check, and I
1: also have VEMO. Um, it's the same for selling milk or whatever. Those are the, the payments. Your forms that, of payment. Yep, those mm-hmm. are my forms of payment. Yep. And yes, when, um, and I expect payment after. Within three days of me getting the hanging weight to the consumer. Okay. Mm-hmm. So and once that lets me know, I let them know what the weight is and how much it's how much it's going to be the total, and I expect to be paid within three days, mm-hmm. or they're not going to get their meat. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and then how about you?
2: Uh, same same across the board, but also including the the credit card credit card payment does require an additional three and a half percent.
4: Okay. So fee. you you recoup the the fee.
2: We we had to. It, yep. just, well, it yeah, got you're, to that you're point. you small enough. That yeah. 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 It's, yeah. It's a
4: huge hunk. Because yeah, in yeah. our business, too. We yeah. don't charge that to the customer as of yet because mm-hmm. my husband just he's like, oh, it's part of doing business. And so <laughs> we just, I get it. I get so we just write it off. He mm-hmm. goes, I'd rather have get payment of some form yeah. and mm-hmm. have to pay that little bit because we've had some customers not pay us. Yeah. So then um, mm-hmm. I know this, of course, because I've done it plenty of times is who picks it up? From the processor. I read somewhere that some farmers go and pick it up and then you have to come to the farm to pick it up. Mm-hmm. But I'm thinking, ooh, that would be a huge freezer <laughs> thing <laughs> to go to the farmer. Yeah. Whereas yeah. I've seen both, you know. Yeah. So I always pick it up from you. So is that normal or? I?
2: And again, mileage may vary on this one. OK, um, f- we're a little a little weird on this one. Yep. Um but both of us because yes. there's been times where since you know Carol with the milk, um, it's very easy if one of one of her milk customers that comes out every Tuesday to just swing out here with a, a, a one of my uh, big coolers or two big two big coolers two in big one case coolers. there, yeah. 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 And and just drop the coolers off in the morning before the customer gets here and then they can pick it all up at one stop right here. Okay. Uh, of course, you know, you, Carol's only 10 minutes from town anyway so yeah. that's, it's not a huge hardship um because of where the shop is located and the fact that my family still all lives in the twin cities i make the runs to and from the cities basically every week which means that i can offer free delivery into the twin cities market for carol's products it becomes very easy for a customer in the cities to order from out here to have their beef once it's done just dropped off because even if they're up in St. Cloud or down by Shakopee, really that just depends on which road I take back into the cities from here. Mm-hmm. So okay. it becomes a very easy thing to help with delivery on that, and to be of service in that way um, that other shops might not.
4: Yeah, I was gonna say, this to is a very unique situation exactly. that you can offer that. Exactly.
2: Yes. So that's that kind of part of the, I guess, what do you call it, the secret sauce of what we do that other shops might not be able to. Um, but I think traditionally it's stopped by the shop to pick up. Yes. Yeah, I was going
4: to say, that's what I did when we used a different butcher. Yeah. You know, I, I we think always went up and picked up our beef. I've always mm-hmm. gone in and picked uh, up from the butcher. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: And I think that, I, I like that because, again, that adds to some of the experience. that we're You know, when I'm talking about eating your experiences, so to speak, um, that adds to it as well to actually be able to see the facility a little bit. And most butchers should be relatively comfortable with you walking through. You know, obviously, if they're in the middle of an animal <laughs> in the back, <laughs> yeah. that you might see more than you wanted to, but it's, it becomes part of the, part of the thing is where this is, this is where my meat came from. This is where my food came from. You it, know? And being yeah.
4: comfortable with their shop. Exactly. Yes. So here's a thought. Have um, you ever had anybody come in and want to inspect your shop before they agree to use you?
2: No, but I'd be welcome to. Okay. I'd be very welcome to somebody doing that anytime, you okay. know. It should be show up, show up before eight in the morning and I might not have had my coffee yet. But other than that. Oh, yeah, that you know, could be scary <laughs> at my house. Yeah, just, We shouldn't <laughs> ought to do that. But, you know, yeah, just let me know, you know, come on by anytime. Don't let me know. Come by anytime. Um, it, it, the state inspector does that all the time. You know, it, we, should, we should be inspection ready at any given moment.
1: Do you do on farm processing every day of the week or do you just kind of? And we usually are on a Monday or a Tuesday. It seems Correct. like when you—is uh, that what you prefer? And then you it's shop work after that. Or? Well, that's
2: you know that's the plan. Okay. And I plan and God laughs. Yep, so that you've works told me out. that so, before. So, yes, it's, Must so, be true. Yeah, it's just the way of it. The, uh, the The plan is to harvest on Mondays and Tuesdays, simply because my rendering service, where all the stuff that nobody wants goes, that's where it goes. Um, shows up on Wednesdays. Mm-hmm. Okay, so to have that out of my shop especially in those those lovely balmy summer days mm. it becomes a very good idea to get that gone uh uh-huh. the, the the bulk of it gone as quickly as possible, possible yeah. so okay. that's what I like to do Mondays and Tuesdays um then of, then of course you have emergency situations where a cow has an injured leg yep. and that's we catch you out here
1: for an emergency mm-hmm.
2: and when that happens then off we go and yep. it's not you know not ideal anymore but That never happens on a Monday and Tuesday. No. It's going to (laughs) happen Wednesday afternoon right after the rendering service leaves. (laughs) (laughs) That's just how it goes type of thing.
4: Well, then, you know, it's deer season here in Minnesota right now. Yep. So are you like swamped?
2: surprisingly not as swamped as i i thought i would be okay um, we we're definitely bringing in deer i think we've had some weather challenges this deer season it's i was gonna say it's, it's
1: been kind of a rough week here exactly. it really has been we've had exactly. a lot of rain and a lot of wind and it has just not been user-friendly so exactly. to
2: speak so um, I, I think um at least from the the websites or the, the facebook groups that i'm with i think a lot of people are down on their
4: quantities. on their nub- numbers and stuff mm-hmm.
2: Exactly. Okay. But yeah, deer season be, has, has been interesting this year across the state, okay. without a doubt. So we're, uh, um, but we're bringing them in and we'll be open again this weekend to bring more in and uh, see how that all works out. Yeah, so, at the same time, though, and we were talking about scheduling earlier, scheduling yeah. up the animals. Uh, I work really hard. A lot of shops are booked out a year, year and a half yep. in advance. I don't know how they do that. I don't know how they can be booked out. I mean, in some of these cases, that means that the piglets haven't been born yet and they're booking out a date at the shop. Okay. We tried that for a little while when we first got started and it didn't work well because you'd have these dates booked out and then people would cancel on you. And so now you suddenly had holes. So we don't, I work really hard not to be booked out more than two months at any given time. If I keep the schedule tighter, it's it's easier to uh, try to find somebody who... Would like to receive an, uh, a a pig, or would like to receive a quarter of a cow, than it is trying to fill somebody fill a slot, mm-hmm. you know. And so, and thankfully, you pretty much have availability on demand, so yeah. it works out works <laughs> yes. out good, you know. Yes, it does. We're bringing in what almost averaging what about two two cows and uh, at least one or two pigs a month.
1: Um, now, we've got two steers right now that we have ready that could go anytime, mm-hmm. and we've always got hogs. Yeah. Yeah, so. hogs aren't a, aren't a problem at mm-hmm. all for us, but um, yeah, I don't know why suddenly we have a market or uh-huh. whatever, but it is nice to have a, a butcher that's available to me, because the other butcher, lots of times I had to, you know, like you're saying, you're in mm-hmm. advance. I mean, I just asked them not too long ago. She wasn't even sure that they would still be doing coming to the farm anymore yeah well yeah because me, just
4: me as a consumer i'm not looking out oh a year from now i'm going yeah a year from now i am <laughs> going to need some type of meat mm-hmm. uh, but do i i'm pretty good about foreseeing okay i need to get through the winter mm-hmm. so yeah. i don't start thinking about getting beef until july august yeah or mm-hmm. a pork mm-hmm. yep. october was that yep september october yep. i start thinking i need a hog because i'm getting down mm-hmm. there but mm-hmm.
2: now compare that to the non-homesteading consumer who is just trying to figure out what they want to have for dinner this week. That's true. Okay. That you're now looking that for an advance. That's a great lesson for uh, all homesteaders to start looking to that three-month mark or that six-month mark rather than just this week's supply of food type of thing and, yeah. and how to how to go about doing yeah, that. Yeah,
4: because I think – I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast or just out that um, – I don't, it must, we might've been talking about the freeze dryer that a lot of people are looking at the freeze dryer to prep and have, you know, five, 10, 20 years worth of food storage. Mm -hmm. Uh Uh-huh i'm not there i look at one year you know uh-huh. i'm growing my garden this year and trying to harvest enough to get to harvest next year mm-hmm. to rebuild what i what i used over the winter that's how i operate yeah uh-huh and i don't know if i could ever get beyond that i probably could <laughs> well and, but that's where i'm at right y- now y- you know and a lot of people today are
1: they don't even know what to do with a a whole hog or even half a hog because mm-hmm. they don't know about all those other cuts. They do pork chops, pork loin, pork roast, Yeah, you know, and they, they don't even consider cause I've, I've had that too. And I'm like, talk to that he will tell you what these meats are for what the cut is what you know what you use it for how to use it how to cook it especially cooking it with with our grass-fed beef there is there is a learning curve there you do need to learn how to cook because grass-fed
4: beef cooks different than your grocery store you don't have the marbling and everything in it to rely on Mm -hmm. for flavor exactly yep Yep. it's it's different we might have to have that back for cooking yeah we can do that yes yes absolutely talk Yep. Tell us how to cook all this meat that we just got. <laughs> <laughs> there
3: we go. Pencil
4: on yeah. your pad out, guys.
1: Taking recipes. You know, I that's what people are I'm always like. Well, we have 100% grass fed beef. And they're like, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm looking for. And I'm like, have you ever cooked it before? And they're like, no. And I'm like, okay. So now you need to learn. You need you know, to do some research. You know, a, a lot of people around here have cooked, do venison and stuff sure. like that. So it's similar to yes. to venison and mm-hmm. stuff. But I would say a lot of our venison around here is more is grain corn, is yeah. corn fat yeah, yeah. Because we, corn would, and soybeans
4: are the huge huge <laughs> thing yep. here
2: Absolutely. I've had yeah.
4: venison from Bemidji
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and see and, and the grass fed can be so good if you treat it right you know but mm-hmm. it's it's a different it is a different critter mm-hmm. on that it's it's it, almost a different species it feels like in a lot of cases yep. you know and just because like I said you don't, you're not hiding behind the fat layer mm-hmm. it's really just the meat you gotta figure yep. out what you're gonna do with this now Yep, makes yep. for a good thing do you have
1: anything more to add?
2: Uh, just that if anybody needs any help with anything, please don't hesitate to, to reach out either through our website of On the Road Custom Cutting, through our Facebook page of On the Road Custom Cutting, or Full Circle Meets, or feel free to give me a call at 952 452 4807. Alrighty. How's All that right. for a commercial? Sounds
1: <laughs> <laughs> ah! good. Okay. Well.
2: Guys, thank you so much for looking oh, out today. thank you oh, for, for taking time
1: out of your busy schedule because yep. um, this is this is taking cutting um, time away from you, I'm sure. Well, yeah. But, yeah uh, I'll make it work. I'm sure the listeners will appreciate um, a Yeah, there's insight. a lot. This,
4: I wish I had and, had this when I bought that first quarter of a cow or no pig. It was first quarter of a pig uh-huh. probably 33 <laughs> years ago. Uh-huh.
2: Well, and don't, don't hesitate to reach out. I'll be delighted to have, if any of your listeners tend to send you any questions,
1: mm-hmm. be
2: happy to, happy to jump in on that. Oh,
1: we might just have you back. That will yep. be fun. Yeah, yep. that would be great. I would be very welcome. We'd like to give a special thank you to PicoSupply.com for sponsoring our podcast. So until next time. I put some keeper on
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for listening to the Homestead Podcast's latest episode. Your hosts, Carol Radke and Jamie Kappas, are Two Gals Homesteading. To learn more, go to twogalshomesteading.com or the Two Gals Homesteading Facebook page at facebook.com Two Gals Homesteading. Editing, audio production, and marketing of the Homestead podcast is the responsibility of Media Transex. The Homestead podcast is an audio product of Media Transsex, a limited liability company, based in Minnesota, USA.